Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Before I jump into the lesson, I just want to take a minute and remind you of a couple of things that are coming up. On October 17th and 18th, we are doing the North Texas Leadership Conference. Now, our conference is a little bit different than most conferences I've ever gone to. So all of our full registrations are already completely sold out. But if you would like to come and just hear the lessons and participate, there are limited registrations that are available to you. You can call our office at 972-985-1112 and talk to Katie Palmer, and she will gladly set you up for limited registrations. Again, our full registrations are totally done, but if you want to come catch the vibe of some great, great leadership uh, teaching and communication, uh, come and join us on October 17th at 1 o'clock. It starts at 1 o'clock. It's over the 18th by about 4 o'clock. And so we would encourage you to bring some staff and to bring some friends. And then also on October 31st in Columbus, Ohio, I will be doing a roundtable. Now, this roundtable will be totally new information. It's the start of the new content that we will be talking about. One of the lessons that I will be sharing is questions I've never been asked. These are questions that, as I fielded questions, I thought, well, this would be a question I've been asked, and it's really going over some of those things that have never been asked about leadership. And then another lesson will be why leadership lags in talent-rich environments where people who have talent, but it doesn't ever turn into leadership. How do you take talent and turn it in? I'll also be talking about staying in the game, how you can uh, just stay in the game and be effective and uh, efficient as you continue your leadership journey. So you can go to my website at cherylbrooksministries.com and you can sign up for those uh, two opportunities. So thank you so much. Hey, today I want to talk to you about Paul's instructions on leadership. Paul's instructions on leadership. Now, when I say Paul, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament as he was inspired by the Spirit of God. Uh, Paul frequently had places where it would seem like he would dive into leadership and begin to talk about it. And I want to just give you a passage where he sort of jumps in and gives us uh, idea after idea on leadership and how it is to be managed and how it is to flow. The first verse starts in Romans chapter 11 and verse 29. In there, it says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And what he's talking about is the fact that God has gifted everybody. Uh, these refer to abilities that are, are innate in an individual. And callings refer to missions. So it's the specific way God wants someone to take the abilities that are God-given and tie them to a, a mission that is God-given to accomplish a godly purpose. So he says the gifts, the abilities— the callings, the mission, and he says these two things formulate together to establish and accomplish 
a purpose. Now, that being said, what we know is that every individual has abilities. They have innate gifts and skills that have been put in them. There are things you are good at. There are things you're naturally better at than other things. They are the God-given gifts naturally and spiritually that God's giving you. A calling, a sense of mission, a sense of cause, a sense of purpose. They have been given. And so as a result of that, the gifts and the callings of God have been given to an individual. Now, what's interesting is he introduces this in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. But those of you who know the Bible, you're aware of the fact that the Bible didn't have chapter and verses. It was a letter that just flowed together. We sometimes have uh, separated things and we think because they're separated, it's sort of the end of one and the beginning of another. But really, Romans eleven twenty nine about the gifts and the callings, the abilities of God, the mission of God to accomplish a purpose from God really is continued in Romans chapter 12. And it's in Romans chapter 12, we're given seven instructions by Paul. Paul on how you take the gifts you have and how you take the mission you have and to accomplish the purpose of God. And what are the key things? What are the instructions you need to follow to be able to maximize those gifts, abilities, the mission, the callings to achieve the purpose of God? How do you lead in your life to make sure that those two things are going to accomplish what God wants accomplished? So the first one is in verse one, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Point number one. If you're going to take the gifts of God and the mission of God and live it out for God, then number one, you must know that you are going to have to live differently. You are going to have to live differently. See, he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You are going to have to live differently. See, if you're going to lead, that means you lead differently and you live differently than the average person. So if you're going to lead, you're going to live differently than the average person. And what that means is the very word that he used, that there will be some sacrifices involved. There will be some things that you'll give up. There'll be some things that you don't do. There will be some things that he's going to ask you to do that maybe you don't want to do. And we call those things sacrifices. I've said many times, I've never found a gift test that ever tells you two qualities about a person, whether they will sacrifice and whether they can focus. Those are the two qualities that distinguish leaders, the ability to sacrifice at a given moment and the ability to be able to focus and to keep your attention on what needs to be done. So he says that you're to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. See, if you're going to lead, life will not be the same for you. 
So the phrase, well, everyone else does it, that will not relate to you because you're not living your life based on what everyone else does. You're living your life on a different level with a different mindset, with a different setting inside. It, this means you're going to have to put forth effort. Why? Because you've got to make sacrifices. This isn't a sideshow. Hey, by the way, I'm doing this also. This is something that's going to require effort and it's going to require all of you. And it's going to require parts of you that you may not instinctively want to give. Let me build a bridge here. You can't be lazy and lead. I know a lot of people who want to lead, but they will never lead. And the reason that they will never lead is because they can't lead themselves. They can't make themselves do things that they need to do to be an effective leader. So let's just walk through a couple of them. I know people who can never be on time. They just say, hey, I'm always late. You can't lead and always be late because if you're leading and you're always late, what you're saying is this. I don't think other people's time matters. I'm going to ask them to be in a room at a certain time, but I'm not going to look at that time and value their time. So in life, you can't be lazy and lead. In fact, in sports, there's this statement. There's nothing more common than lazy talent. Someone who is talented, maybe they can run, maybe they can hit, maybe they can throw, but they're just lazy. So their talent is never maximized because they're lazy and they never discipline their talent. If you're going to use the gifts, the ability of God to follow a mission, a call from God to accomplish a purpose for God, then you're going to have to live differently. You don't get to be lazy. You get to make sacrifices. You get to live differently. Yes, other people will do things you will never do. Other people will seem to have it easier than it will ever be for you. You will not get to do some things, but that's all right, because what you're going to get to do is you're going to get to do something for God. Where most people do something for themselves, you're going to get to do something for God. So the first thing Paul says is, guys, you've got to live differently. Leadership means that you are going to live your life differently than other people. Number two, he says, think differently. In verse two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed. You do not get to think like everyone else. You get to think differently. Let me put it this way. Leadership requires a new way of thinking. The world's way 
of thinking will not work when it comes to biblical Christian leadership. So the way the world processes and thinks about things will not be the way that you process and you think about things. Their way of thinking will not lead you where God wants you to go. See, there's a lot of talented people who think, well, I can lead, but they don't think the way God wants them to think. And it's not that they can't lead a secular organization, but they can't lead for God. In fact, one of the things that happens in churches all the time is that secular leaders who have mobilized their gifts to high levels will walk into a church and they'll think, I can lead this organization. Well, you may have leadership abilities and you may have disciplined those leadership abilities, but the way the world thinks and the way God thinks are not the same thing. So it's not the same. You've got to think differently. Now, years ago, when I was teaching leaders in my church, I came up with a phrase. This phrase is now all over the world. John Maxwell has written it in several of his books. It's this idea. When you become a leader, you'll lose the right to think about yourself. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. What that means is simply this. In leadership, I have to think differently. In the secular, I think what's good for me. In the kingdom, I think what's good for others. In the secular, what helps me the most. In the kingdom, what helps others the most. In the world, what do I get out of it? In the kingdom, what is this going to help other people get out of it? So there is a thought pattern that's different because when you become a Christian leader, you do not get to think about yourself. It's not about you. It's about him. What is best that makes heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better? What is best? What is best to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better? Number three. In verse 3, he says, For though I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Not only do you have to live differently, not only do you have to think differently, but you have to believe differently. He says, according to the measure of faith that you've been given. So let me put it in these terms. Faith can never be taken out of leadership. Faith can never be taken out of leadership. It's going to require faith because whatever God asks you to do is going to require more than you have available to you. It's going to require you leaning into a relationship with God so that you can begin to do things that are beyond your natural capabilities because Christian leadership isn't 
just merely about your gifts and your talents. It's about God's ability to take gifts and talents and to multiply them in a measure that is beyond. So faith is always required. So no matter how good you are at maybe articulating and communicating, it's one thing to get up and to give a speech. It's another thing to get up and minister. A speech people listen to you. And ministry, people are changed by God. Anyone can articulate an outline, but it's only through faith that we know that ministry happens so that people's hearts are changed. It requires faith in God. Now, faith has to be realistic. Faith isn't obscure to the issues. I like to put it this way. Faith doesn't deny circumstances. It just acknowledges that God's bigger than any circumstance. See, faith isn't a process of denial. It is a faith, a place of acknowledging God. I don't say, no, there are problems. I just say, God's bigger than the problems. I don't say, no, there aren't issues. I just say that God's bigger than those issues. So what God is saying is that you need faith because no matter what you do, no matter how talented you are, no matter how gifted you are, faith always reminds you that you need God. So in faith, you always remember who God is. And that's what Paul was saying. When it comes to your thought pattern, don't think more highly But don't beat yourself up and think uh, less. But when you think, remember who God is in light of who you are. Number four, he says we're going to have to lead differently. He says in verse four, for as we have many members in one body and all members are not the same. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another having gifts differing according to the grace that has been given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching. What is he saying? He's saying in leadership, it's not one size fits all. You will lead differently than other people lead. Because God's given you a set of gifts mixed with your personality, flowing through your temperament, flowing through your measure of faith that God's given you, that will be how God leads through you, but the person next to you will have gifts that may be different than yours, but those gifts that are different than yours, they are going to be maximized through their temperament, their personality, their experiences. So what God's saying is, is that one size doesn't fit all. But what he is saying is that leaders have to learn their fit. See, I'm a pastor who teaches. I'm a pastor who teaches leaders. So how I process 
is going to be unique through a pastor's gift that is a shepherding, take a journey with me gift. And then it's going to be processed through teaching, which is a strategic systematic gift. I don't lead with a prophetic or high proclaiming gift. I don't lead through a high preaching gift. I have to figure out how leadership fits me. And I have to understand that I have to stay in my lane. There are many people out there I admire greatly. And I would love to do what they do, except I'm not them. I can't do it that way. I can't achieve results the way they achieve results. So what God's saying is when it comes to your leadership, you've got to live differently. You have to think differently. You've got to believe differently and you have to lead differently. And then you have to lead genuinely. In verse nine, it says this, let our love be without dissimulation. Basically, don't be fake. Just don't be fake. And he talks about leadership and he talks about love. See, if you take the context of most leadership that we've ever seen in the world setting, no one would walk away from that leadership model saying, I feel loved. Now, they may say that, I feel authority. I feel respect. I feel like they know what they're doing. But God tied leadership to love. And what he's saying is loving people is a part of leadership. It's all right to dislike things, but you can't lead if you dislike people. It's all right to lead, but you can't lead by being mad. Anger isn't the reason you lead. Stock prices aren't the reason you lead. The bottom line isn't the reason you lead. If I went through any corporate mission statement, their mission statement at some place will have people in it. Why? Because products don't matter if there aren't people. But what happens is the product gets magnified and people get minimized. But in Christian leadership, people need to be magnified. He's saying lead and love people. See, leading with love is a habit that you develop. It may not be instinctive to you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, grow in love more and more and more. My love and concern for lost people is greater than it's ever been. My love and concern for pastors is greater than it's ever been. My love and my concern for hurting people is greater than it's ever been. Why? Because the longer you lead, people should be the center of it. And then he says, number six, 
and verse 11, he says, don't be lazy in business. He's just saying, hey, you don't get to just be half-hearted when it comes to doing things for God, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word fervent in the Greek means to be on fire. It means to be ablaze. It means to be burning. Here's the thing. God's saying, I want you to lead passionately. I don't want you to be burnt out. I don't want you to use lose all your fuel up and and somehow not have any fuel. See, the thing about leadership is is that leadership is to be passion. It is to be the inside of you affecting the outside of you. It is to be consumed with something. And so he says, be fervent, let be on fire, let there be a passion in you, let there be something that drives you, that compels you, that when you're tired, it gets you up, that that when your back's against the wall, it won't let you quit. When everything inside you tells you that you can't do it, that you do it. Lead passionately. Don't burn up all your fuel. And then he says, 7 in verse 15, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. He's saying, you have to lead emotionally. You have to connect. John Maxwell's made this statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Leadership without connection doesn't work. There has to be a connection. I tell pastors this, that one of the most difficult things about ministry is the fact that you have to lead on extremes. Weep with those that weep. The person who's going through the most difficult and challenging time. Rejoice with those who rejoice. The person who's going through the best time. But on any given day, you'll have to go back and forth. The person who's just lost a child, the person who's been praying that they would get pregnant. So one of them wants you to be sad with them. The other one wants you to rejoice. And so you've got to connect. People have got to feel you connect to them. In fact, there's a phrase in the slang that says, do you feel me? That term is describing the emotional impact of a leader connecting. Leaders have got to connect. So Paul talks about our gifts and our callings. And he says, but the only way the gifts and the callings work is if you live differently. If you think differently. If you believe differently. If you lead differently. If you lead genuinely if you lead passionately, and if you lead emotionally. Seven things he asks us to do. Instructions Paul gives us about an effective leader. I guess that maybe that brings us to this place. I've given an outline. I'm praying that God creates ministry. Where is it 
and these seven things that maybe you're really naturally good, but maybe you're really naturally poor. And maybe that's where you're going to have to grow up a little bit as a leader. Maybe you're going to have to live differently and realize you don't get to do everything everyone else does. You don't get to think like everyone else thinks. You don't get to have faith and make it so simple like everyone else does. You just don't get to do that. God's asking us to use our gifts and our callings for him. I pray that you're doing that. I'm praying that you jump into that. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Let me just say again, on October 17th and 18th, our pastor's conference, our leadership conference, because we have a whole lot of business guys who come and business ladies who show up for this. Our full registrations are done, but if you want to come and you want to hear some of the best leadership communication that you will ever hear, you can sign up for a partial registration and you can bring team members and it'll just be great for them. And then on October 31st, if you're in Ohio, if you're in Pennsylvania, I want to encourage you come to our Columbus Roundtable. You can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and you can sign up there. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.